Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ Verily there is for you fi rasulillahi in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uswatun hasana the best or the most, most perfect example for you. When we see such a glad tiding from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we see an example that is to be followed. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he told us, لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدَكُمْ حَتَّى أَكُونَ حَبَّ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ مَالِهِ وَأَهْلِهِ وَالنَّاسَ جْمَعِينَ وَفِي الرَّوَايَةِ مِنْ وَالِدِهِ وَوَلَدِهِ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us in the reported hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari that one of you will not be a complete believer until I become more beloved to them than his wealth, his family, and all of mankind. And another riwayah, even from his children and his parents. These are authentic narrations. These ayat are in the Quran that we mention. So a part of our iman is to love Rasulullah sallallahu And it's very easy for us to say, if we say that we love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam ala lisan, it's very easy. But we should really evaluate ourselves and think, do I really love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam more than my wealth? And he, we will say it, but then when the test comes, when something has to do with money and has to do with the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, how many times will we say, well, it's only sunnah? <laughs> right? How many of us can say we love Rasulullah more than our parents and our children and our family? Every one of us will say, yes, I love Rasulullah more. But when the test comes, and we tell you this is the sunnah, Rasulullah sallallahu prayed this way. And you say, but my father said no, my mother said no, my family said no, my tribe said no, my people said no. Then where is the reality of that claim? Al-Nas Ajma'een, here in this riwayah in Al-Bukhari, all of mankind is there. We as a part of our iman have to love Rasulullah sallallahu more than any king, more than any scholar, more than any imam, more than any person, a beloved, anybody. That's a part of our iman. Wallahi, if we are honest, most of us are lacking in this. If we are honest, most of us are lacking. We will find ways around the sunnah to please a community, to please a king, to please a powerful person, to please our family, to please our tribes, to please the modernist trend that's coming, to please our kafir <laughs> uh, bosses that we people have made. So what's the solution? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, Uswatun Hasana, the best example. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa tells us that the part of your iman is to love me more than anybody else. So what's the solution? The solution, as Imam Ibn Jawzi, the great scholar of Islam, 
He said, "Man habba shay'a, akthara dhikruhu." He said, "The one that loves something should should, and in a meaning does increase its remembrance." Right? When you love something, you like to talk about it. If somebody loves a particular sports team, and I, I'm not into sports, but I'm saying, right? They could talk about a particular game a hundred times, it won't get boring to them. Right? Remember the 2000 whatever Super Bowl when my sports team won the Super Bowl? Remember that touchdown? Man, you could bring it up 10 years later and they'll be, they'll, their eyes will light up and they won't be like, man, we already talked about this a hundred times. They'll be like, no! You remember how he made that run? Somebody loves a movie. They will watch that movie again and again and again and again and it won't get boring to them. And they can talk about it from Fajr till يعني, Qiyam al-Layl, forget about Isha. Somebody loves technology, somebody loves guns, somebody loves whatever, from the halal and the haram. Somebody loves a woman, somebody loves a man, a woman, <laughs> loves a man. Right? They'll talk about that beloved until they get married anyway. But they'll talk about it all day, all night, and write poetry and, you know, whatever. They'll chat online and it won't get boring. Why? Somebody who's not interested in that subject, you bring it up. <laughs> You're boring. I don't care about sports. I don't care about it. How many times are you going to talk about that one touchdown? Right? Okay, hit the ball. Uh, big deal. Right? So, so it shows. So when we talk about the seerah, it first evaluates our love for Rasulullah If it bores us, then know that we have a problem. And the solution of that problem is to then sit in that dars. Because when you learn about Rasulullah when you learn how Allah honored us, by being from the ummah of that man, Muhammad wasallam the best of mankind, then your love will grow. When you hear about how he sacrificed for us to have this religion, how he spent his days and nights in da'wah, in jihad, and all of the sacrifices he made, alayhi salatu salam, the hunger he, he, he went through, the hardships, it will then bring that love that's a part of our iman to have. And this is the way of the Salaf. If we look at many ahadith, the Sahaba would sit and they would say, do you know what my Habib taught me? Alayhi salam. And one will say, he taught me these 10 things. And one will say, I remember when I was with Rasulullah sallallahu and this happened and that happened. And one will say, I was there and this happened. So you will find this to be the way of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. There is a riwayah it's mentioned marfu'an, but that is da'if. The strongest that is from Aisha radiyanha, mawqufan. Khattab al-Baghdadi, he mentions it with the Sanad, as did uh, many other a'imma like Ibn Asakir and uh, al-Zahabi in his Takhrij of, uh, and Tariq of Islam with the whole Takhrij and Kundul Amal and many books have it. Aisha radiyallahu anha said, Zayyanu majalisikum bis-salat ala al-Nabi wa bi-dhikr Umar ibn Khattab. Beautiful hadith. 
from Aisha She said, beautify your gatherings with Salat ala Nabi. Yani when, you, when you mention the name of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, say sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And with the remembrance of Umar ibn Khattab. Why? Why Umar ibn Khattab? He was an amazing person. His life is filled with lessons for us. But imagine if this is important to learn about the life of Umar, then imagine the life of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhuma. And remember the best of mankind to learn about the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Today, unfortunately, we waste our time. And I'm saying this, this is before we begin this dars. Because if you're in a rush, if you want this to be a TikTok 10 second video, leave now. You could probably make it home to waste your time on TikTok. In this dars, you will have to sit patiently. You will have to sit with the love of Rasulullah sallallahu With the zawq, with the hub, with, the, with the, 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 the passion that you should have to learn what is authentic from weak, from the life of the Prophet sallallahu And know that this time would be better spent than anything else that shaitan is reminding you of right now. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his life and studying his life has to be a priority because that's a part of our iman. And from the benefits of learning about the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and if it was just that we developed a love for him alayhi salatu salam, that would be enough. But there are many, and I will just mention a few. One of them in the seerah, in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you will learn aqeedah. Why? Where do we learn our manhaj, our aqeedah from? It's from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. How he dealt with the kuffar, with inner faith, with, with other religions, with, with the, with the mushrikeen. And there the mushrikeen would come and try to submit their ideas of worshipping idols and how, how far can you go and not go and all of that, which are parts of aqaid will be learned from the seerah. You will learn fiqh. How he prayed والسلام, how he dealt in jihad, how he dealt in being a musafir and a muqeem and all of that, that is from the seerah. You will learn tafsir. When the ayat are revealed, what was going on, how the Prophet explained it. When we look at tafsir, يعني, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the sunnah or the seerah, what we learn from the sunnah, a part of understanding the Qur'an, and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنزَ اللَّهُ يعني Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed عَلَيْكَ Upon the Prophet الكتاب وَالْحِكْمَةِ Look at any book of tafsir, any reliable books of tafsir. What is al-kitab here? What kitab was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ? Al-Qur'an. But what is al-hikmah? Al-Sunnah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He told us that from the job of the Prophet يعلمكم, that to teach you al-kitab, wal-hikmah. Surah al-Baqarah in the 151st ayah. Earlier, that was from Surah al-Nisa, the 113th ayah. So to teach us al-kitab, what is the al-kitab? The Qur'an. 
But what does it mean that the job of the Prophet is to teach us al-hikmah? It's to teach us the sunnah. And in those who deny the sunnah, what would they say about the Qur'an here? Rasulullah sallallahu he told us, Verily I have been given al-kitab wa mithlahu ma'hu. This hadith is reported in the sunan of Imam Abu Dawood, hadith number 4604 and some of the prints 4504. But you can look it up. It's a sahih hadith. Rasulullah told us I was given the Qur'an and like it. Well the Qur'an we know, al-kitab, what is like it? This is the sunnah. From wahi. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa told us, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni, usallu. He didn't say, Sallu kama qal Abi Hanifa, or Malik, or Shafi, or Ahmad, or Abu Dawud. La. And those imma, those great scholars, they went to the sunnah to find how the salah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was. But Rasulullah told us that pray as you have seen me praying. This is a part of our deen. Not just that the Prophet brought the Qur'an. No, he taught us that salah and how to pray. This hadith is in Al-Bukhari. Take from me your religious rituals. This is the Musnad Imam Ahmad, Sahih. So the seerah will teach us that fiqh. What is a seerah? A seerah linguistically can mean a tariqah or a way. People tell us what tariqah do you follow today? Next bandi and this bandi and that qadri and this, this. We tell them tariqah Muhammadiyah. <laughs> the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Well, I don't know that one. Yeah, that's the problem. You don't know that one. Right? So this is the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is what we learn in the seerah. How did the Prophet make his adhkar? How did he make his salah? How did he give da'wah? What is da'wah? In accordance to the way of Rasulullah From the benefits of studying a seerah, it stops us from tafriq al-ummah, from the splitting of the ummah. No doubt the ummah will split. As Rasulullah told us that the ummah will split on 73 factions. كلهم في النار. All of them will be in the nar illa billata wahida, except for one. It's a reliable Hassan hadith in a Tirmidhi, hadith number 2641. But which one is that? Today, every sect, every group will say it's us. Whether they are Qadianis, whether they are Ghanis, whether they are whatever, they will say it's us. But the hadith tells us who they are. Faqala sallallahu alayhi Yani when they asked, Qalu umanhiya, they asked, the Sahaba asked, who was the Qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? They are the ones, ma ana alayhi wa ashabi, who are upon what I am upon, and my ashab, my companions. Look up the Harada and Tirmidhi, the reliable Rabbi. So if you want to know who is right, look at who is strictest in following the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Not just a madhab, not just a firqa, not just buzurgs and elders and kabair. No, yani a kabir and this. No, you have to say way of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Today, who wants to stick to the way of the Sahaba radhiyallahu anhum? Ashabi. 
And who wants to leave that and say we want to follow Gold, Professor Goldstein and this and that? So this seerah will take us away from that. I will mention quickly what books I'm relying upon. And I'm not going to mention all of them. I'll mention some of them. Because I always get this question. What book are you teaching from? Teach from a rahiq Teach from this. Well, if I was just going to teach a rahiq then I might as well just give you the book. <laughs> this is not like a book of hadith where I'm going to be making sharh affair and takhreej of the rawayat and things. If you're just going to want to study uh, Sirat al-Nabawiyah of Ibn Kathir, then go buy the book. Why are you coming here? La, the way of the ustad of the teacher is to take all those resources and bring what is beneficial and bring it to you. That's why you came here. Otherwise, you could Google the book and read it yourself. But from the books that I'm going to use, awwalan, kutub ahadith, yani the books of hadith al-asliya. Yani the books of hadith like Bukhari and Abu Dawud and Ibn Majah and Nisa'i and the Musnad and so on, they have abwab and maghazi yani on the battles of Rasulullah sallallahu on the life of Rasulullah sallallahu So I'm going to bring those ahadith. People forget that that's a great resource for us. From it, I'm also going to be using the notes and works of a lot of my own personal teachers whose durus I sat in and whose recordings I have and I benefit from uh, Abu Muhammad and others. May Allah protect them. Uh, so I'm going to benefit from those and bring that benefit as well. And I'm going to go to the kutub of tarikh like Bidaya and Nihaya uh, in the seventh volume Ibn Kathir. He has uh, a lot of uh, the, the, the things that will be covered here, they're there. And Sir Alam al-Nubala of al-Dhahabi and other Imma al-Ulema who talked about the different incident things that happened. And the seerah of uh, Ibn Kathir that's by itself. Yes, I'm going to benefit from those. But I'm also going to go into some of the earlier books. Like the works of Ibn Ishaq with the uh, commentaries and, and the summary and the, and the expansion and everything that was brought by his student Ibn Hisham. I'm not going to rely solely on any one of these books because every one that I've mentioned and that I will mention has weak narrations. What we're going to try to do in these durus is to stick to the acceptable narrations. Right? What does it mean acceptable? Yes, a hadith al-sahihah, but also maqbula. Yani under this come the hasan, hasan li ghayrihi, sahih li dhatihi, sahih li ghayrihi. All those that meet that acceptable criteria, we're going to stick to those, insha'Allah, to the best of our ability. From that, there is a book like Uyun al-Athar, and this is fi Funun al-Maghazi, and this is very early on with the Shamal and the Seerah of Ibn Sayyid al-Nas, Zad al-Ma'adaf ibn al-Qayyim, to bring a lot of the benefits of the fiqh of the Seerah, Mawahib, the famous very classic book of Qastalani, with the Sharh of uh, Zurqani, uh, I'm going to be depending on the Mukhtasar of the Seerah of Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab and the Sahih Min Seerah of Sheikh uh, Albani and Lu'lu Al Maknoon. Uh, this is a very beautiful book by Sheikh Musa Al Ghaz Al Azami. There are many other books for resource here, like contemporary books like a Seerah Nabawiya Sahiha of Dr. Akram Al Amri, Seerah Nabawiya Fi Dual Masadir Al Asliya. Uh, of Ustad uh, al-Doktor al-Mahdi Rizqallah Ahmed al-Rahiq al-Makhtoum, no doubt, of Safi al-Rahman al-Mubarakpuri with the ta'aliq 
of uh, Al-Mallah, which goes over some of the weak narrations in it and so on. Sahih Al-Musnad min Dalal Nabuwa of Sheikh Muqbil and the original work of Dalal Nabuwa of Al-Bayhaqi, Mukhtasar Sira and others that have been more contemporaneous, Had Al-Habib Al-Ahbab of Sheikh Abu Bakr Jazairi and many other books. Not one of these books, but I'm going to be going through all these books and finding those narrations and checking them and putting them together and putting them forward insha'Allah ta'ala. When we talk about the seerah and we talk about the nur of huda, the light of guidance that was sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa the hidayah, the risala, we will not appreciate it until you know about the darkness of jahiliya. You don't appreciate a light until you've been in the dark. You don't appreciate good until you've seen hard. People who have a very comfortable life, they don't appreciate the comfort because they haven't seen hardships. So we're going to begin first with what is related to Rasulullah from the beginning of creation and talk about the time of Jahaliyyah and what the Arab were going through at the time when Rasulullah was chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be a messenger so we can appreciate the light and guidance that Rasulullah was sent with. And I'm going to keep this brief as best as possible. So now, for context, we want to talk about the beginning of creation. Do we know what is the first thing that Allah created? Anyway, Al-Qalam, the pen, the Arsh, any other opinions? Huh? Huh? But what was the first thing that we know of that Allah created, that we know of? The Loh, the tablet. There are five major opinions amongst the scholars of Islam. One that is from the people of Bid'ah. So I'm going to mention that and knock it out first. <laughs> the people of Bid'ah, they write that Al-Awwal ma khalaqa Allah, Nur al-Nabi alayhi salatu salam. And what they base this upon is a hadith that is mawdu'ah. It is a fabrication. And if any one of them watches this video and decides that they want to get brave, come, come. Marhaban. Come, sit down, we'll bring books, we'll show you the kadab. Inshallah. Don't just make little videos against me online. Come, be a man. Tayyib. So this is out. There is an opinion, al-qalam, as I heard from some of the shiukh here. And there is a hadith, inna awwala ma khalaqa Allah, al-qalam. Authentic hadith. Another opinion, al-arsh. Another opinion, Al-Ma' And the correct opinion is Al-Ma' Wal-Arsh Tayyib Adilla, proofs Because I know the brothers who said Qalam are waiting to jump on me Farawaha Imam Al-Bukhari Imam Al-Bukhari, he reports That can Allah From Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam That can Allah Verily there was Allah وَلَمْ يَكُنْ شَيْءٌ 
and there was nothing before him. وَكَانَ عَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ And his arsh was on water. ثُمَّ خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَفِي الرَّوَايَةِ And another rawayah كَانَ اللَّهُ وَلَمْ يَكُونْ غَيْرُهُ شَيْءٍ So there was Allah and there was nothing other than him. And in one of the narrations there was nothing before him. So first thing to know is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has always been there. Allah is that great, yani, that azim, that Allah has always been there and will always be there. And the f- before the creation of the samawati wal ard, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had an arsh on al-ma'a. Now when we talk about al-ma'a and how the samawat, understand we're not talking about a cup of water that you get from your sink. Right? This is deep. This is stuff that the whole universe is made out of. So just take it as it is because this is the way of the Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah. We accept it as it's reported without saying, well where did the water come from? Well, Allah ordered it to be. Right? But this hadith tells us that before the khalaq al-samawati wal-ard and everything that's mutallik with it, the arsh and al-ma' was there. So Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu as Ibn, Jab- Ibn Jarir has given tarjih to this opinion and he has reported it from him. And al Shaykh al-Islam Taqyuddin Ibn Taymiyyah and his student Ibn al-Qayyim in al-Nuniyyah and my own teachers like Abu uh, Muhammad al-Bijawari and others have taken that what is correct is from this, that before any of that creation began, Allah had already created the arsh and al When the beginning of the creation of that which has to do with the samawat and ard began, then in that phase, the first thing that was created was al-qalam. But the arsh and al was before that. So what is correct is the first thing created was and we find this in the Quran. يعني هو الذي خلق السماوات والأرض في ستة أيام وكان عرشه على الماء. Right? We find this Surah Hud, seventh ayah. So when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created the samawat and ard and everything that's there before that, the arsh of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala was already there. طيب. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is not in need of the arsh. Understand this. Allah is not in need of the malaika. Allah is not in need of us. Allah is not in need of the samawat or the earth. But Allah has an arsh and a kursi in this because of his grand nature. Because of his honor. This is is from the honor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the arsh, the throne of Allah is so great that none of us can imagine it. Anything you picture will not match it. Because if you took, Adarad ibn Jarir and others have mentioned, the seven samawat, all seven, not just this world, not this solar system, not this galaxy, not this universe, not everything that you see, the lamps, the, meaning the stars and all of that in, is in the first sama, sama ad-dunya. But all seven samawat in front of the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is nothing. Like a ring in a huge desert. So understand that these are things that are greater than our imagination. So we stick to what has been reported through the divine sources. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as the hadith in Sahih Muslim, he ordered the qalam. He created the qalam, and then Allah, the preserved tablet, Allah al-Mahfuz, and he ordered it to write. And the qalam asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what should I write? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders the qalam to write everything that will happen, the risk, the life, the death, everything is there. It was always in the knowledge of Allah. The Qur'an was always with Allah. It's kalamullah. What will happen, what can happen, what could have happened, what didn't happen, what all of that is in the infinite knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The unimaginable knowledge. That's how great Allah is. But Allah ordered that to be now written. 50,000 years. And when we say years, when we say days, when we talk about this, please understand, we're not talking about 24 hours. There is no sun at this time. There is no moon. There is no summer. There's no winter. These are periods. Ayam. When we look at it, the Arabic word, it has, means a period of time. So we're not saying from Dhuhr to Asar and things like this. Whatever Allah means by it, Allah knows best. We stick to the narrations. But 50,000 years before the creation of Samawat and Ard, Allah already ordained everything. And many of us, subhanAllah, we sacrifice the orders of Allah for that risk that Allah wrote for us already. That doesn't mean that we sit around the house and say, Allah will bring my risk from the roof, so I'm just going to sit. No, that is not the sunnah. That is not what has been, we have been obligated to work, study, get education, earn risk. But don't think that degree or that job is what gives you risk. That is just the means that Allah has ordained. But if you want to sacrifice the laws of Allah, you want to lie and cheat, to earn that risk, you didn't understand this concept. Forget the rest of the dars. You need to watch this video, this part of the video again. And again, and again. And know that Allah has written everything. What is our job? Obey Allah. Allah has ordained upon us as an ummah to use medicine. Rasulullah told us the way of this ummah to use medicine. So if we get sick, we don't just say, who needs medicine? Allah's our... No, this is our way. Allah has ordained upon us to work. We don't sit around and say, Allah, Allah can drop food from the sky. It has happened. We'll talk about it. But that's not the way. That's not what Allah has given you a way. Follow that way. Allah has given you boundaries, rights and lefts, halal and haram. What you can do, what you cannot do. Stay within that. The rest, nusra is from Allah. Risk is from Allah. The fath is from Allah. This is our job. Then, in six days, and again, as I mentioned, this is, these are periods of time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created the samawati wal ard. And there's a lot here, this is not related to the seerah, so I'm going through this briefly. We see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, thumma stawa ila sama wa dukhanun, that the sky was like a gas. So from the water, Allah ordained there to be a gases, and from those gases, these heavenly bodies, these planets and things were formed. 
And this is something that is in the Quran. We're not rewriting this because scientists are telling us. No, it's in the Quran. Sometimes when you mention the scientific miracles in the Quran, scientific miracles, what does it mean scientific miracles? Scientific miracles, things that were in the Quran that science is getting to recognize today. And if scientists deny it tomorrow, we'll still believe in it. Why? It's in the Quran. Some of our brothers, may Allah protect us, you know, due to the lack of intelligence, they start jumping up. No brother, don't talk about science. The Quran is a book of signs and not a science. Like I don't know where you got that little catchphrase. Keep it to yourself. Brother, the Quran is a book of signs. Yes, it's a book of guidance. Yes, it's a book of history. There's so much history. It's about the future. There are things that scientists are figuring. There are Muslim scientists that came up with theories because of what they read in the Quran and so on. All of that is in the Quran. We don't reinterpret the Quran to fit science. No, but we do say that many things that Allah has told us in the Quran, scientists later found out. And that is one of the miracles to show that this cannot be written by the Prophet And whichever person has problems with that, it's your problem, Akhi. Keep it to yourself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the samawat wal ard in six days. As we find in Surah Al-A'raf, إِنَّ رَبَّكُمَ اللَّهِ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامٍ ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْعَرْشِ Some people get confused about some of the ayat and they think, is it six days or eight days? Because they talk about the, the creation of the earth and the establishment of the mountain and so on. The easy solution, I'm just giving a hint here, is to look at سَوَاءَ in the ayah, which means that the first two are mentioned, the next ayah with the four includes those two, and the next mentioned six. It's easy, but sometimes those in da'wah may not know it to understand. Sawa shows that the four mentioned the next ayah include the first two, and the two after that is how many? Six. Not eight. There is no confusion amongst the scholars of Islam, only amongst those Islamophobes that uh, don't know how to read. So, we continue... With the creation, and again, this is not a, a dars about the creation. This is just what, uh, mutallik bin Nabi So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in Sahih a hadith, after he created the samawat and earth and mountains and, and all of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created jinn and malaika. Before insan. Jinn and malaika were before insan. But many of the imma and ulema, like Shaykh Islam Taqyuddin ibn Taymiyyah and ibn al-Qayyim and others have mentioned that, that the, this whole creation was for insan. Allah made the house first and then put the resident. Allah, look how Allah honored us. Imagine if Allah made you a monkey or a cow or a rat or something like this. And imagine Allah honored you to be insan. Understand what Allah blessed you with. And then to be in the best of umam. The ummah of Mustafa alayhi salatu salam. Thank Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He created these creations. Then he decided to create insan. The hikmah of this. And the creed of shaitan and malaika. So much if I go into it. I'll go into a tangent. Which would be worth it. But I won't. We'll stick to the subject. The rest of the creations, Allah ordered it, it was made. Except for a few of the creation, Allah honored by making it with His own hands in a way that befits His majesty and honor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the Jannah with His own hands. And He created insan with His own hands. How? Allah knows best. 
The kafiyah, we leave it to Allah. The ma'ina is clear. The meaning is clear. We believe in the meaning as it has been reported. But the how of it, Allah knows best. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He ordered, as we know from the Sahih Hadith, the malaika to go, and the earth was already made, to bring from different parts of the earth, different types of soil, of earth, mud. And these were brought together and mixed with water to be made into a clay, in a way that befits the majesty of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He made the shell or the body, the jasad of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, without the ruh. And it was left, and this is all from Sahih Ahadith I'm summarizing here. And it was left, and it began to stink. It smelt bad. And this is the jism, the body, the jasad, the, the, the shell that we are in. It's such. Have you ever seen a dead person when the ruh is disconnected? Leave it out. Unless they're shuhada or something. Leave it out and then go smell it in a day. Have you ever smelt a body that's not in a freezer, that's been out for a couple of days? I don't know what you were doing when you did that, but, <laughs> but you would know that it's a horrible smell. A smell that you can never forget. And that's the reality of this humanly body and this humanly life. Without the ruh, without the soul, it stinks. This body was made out of the earth, the worldly material, so it loves the earth. It has this attachment to the earth. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put the ruh in it. The ruh is not from the earth, so it doesn't love the earth. When you love worldly things, you love money, you love food, you love everything like this, your body will crave it. But your ruh will be hurt from it. And when you have zuhud from dunya, when you abstain from the worldly pleasures, your ruh will become happy. Your soul will be happy. Your body may become weak from it. When you fast a lot and you pray a lot, you might get aches and pains and headaches and things. Yes, your body doesn't love those things. But your ruh will become happy. And when you go out and make zina and drink alcohol and do all of that, your body may feel pleasure. But wallahi, you will never be happy. Your ruh will never be happy. All these famous actors and rappers and musicians with cars and planes and fame and women or men or whatever animal they're into. With all of the pleasures, with no haram, no restriction, they live it up. How many of them commit suicide? How many of them do overdoses on drugs? How many are are on antidepressant pills? How many of them are are seeing psychiatrists? How many of them... Are, are frustrated, can't sleep at night. Why? With all the pleasures of dunya. But that ruh is not mutma'in. It's not at peace. Shaitan, as mentioned in the authentic narration, he saw this new creation. Iblis is a jinn. Not a malik, not an angel. Angels don't disobey. He's a jinn. But he was a Muslim. And his kufr is not where he denies Allah. Of course he knows Allah exists. 
His kufr is a kufr of action. But shaitan, he saw this because he used to roam. He saw this skeleton, this shell, this body that smelt and had holes and no ruh in it. And he went through it and he made a sound. And he said, this is interesting. He said, if I was a sign on this, to misguide this, it would be very easy. It's got a bunch of holes, you can get right through them. Right? And there's a very deep meaning to that. It's not just the physical nine holes in our body and things, but there's a lot more to it, but I'm not going to go that way. But look at the fact that shaitan already was jealous. And he already had this inclination towards wanting to misguide Adam salam. So Allah made that for him. Some people, they sit in a dars and they want to benefit, Allah will benefit them. Some people sit in a dars and already all they want to do is they want to find faults. Allah will let them find faults, even if they don't exist. This is, this is a very important lesson. You will get what you intend. So when shaitan saw this, none of that order for sujood, nothing had happened. He was already inclined towards wanting to misguide us. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He ordered the ruh to be put in Adam alayhi salam. And before that or at that time, certain things were ordained as well. As the hadith in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, and why this is mutallik with our dars, Hadith number 20,596 and it's a Sahih Hadith. When Rasulullah was asked, When were you ordained to be a Nabi? Qala sallallahu When Adam was between ruh and body. In another riwayah that some people have put forward, they said, but this is a weak narration. This narration is weak. Shaykh ibn Taymiyyah said, هَذِيَ الْأَلْفَاضِ In these words, كَذْبٌ بَاطِلٌ This is كَذَب. This is a lie and this is a fabricated. بَيْنَ الْمَاءِ وَالطِينَ What is sahih is what is mentioned between الْآدَمْ بَيْنَ الْرُوحِ وَالْجَسَدِ What does that mean? That does not mean that Rasulullah sallallahu was alive at that time. Or he was walking around as a Nabi. Rather the Nabuwa was ordained at that time. Which had already been ordained with what was ordered to the Luhul Mafuh. And this is from the Hikmah of Allah that our order is brought in more stages. The Quran was first revealed when Allah revealed His Kalam to Luhul Mafuh. And then it was revealed in one night to Baytul Izzah. And then it was revealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through Jibreel alayhi salam to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam over 23 years of his life. Like this, this is one of the times where the Nabuwa was ordained. But some people of Bid'ah, they take this to mean that Rasulullah was already there. That is not true. Our durus, our manhaj is with, without wulu. We don't go to an exaggeration and we don't go to not fulfilling what is haqq. Of Rasulullah, we stay in the wasat, in the middle. So here Rasulullah was ordained to be a Nabi, and Adam at the time was 
between ruh and jasad, between the ruh and the body coming together. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He made the Prophet as a rahmah lil alameen. What a rahmah. And what a mercy. I have to mention this. I know I was going to stop, but I can't. Sorry. What a rahmah. What a rahmah. What a rahmah. That whoever met the Prophet ﷺ, he became the best of mankind. And he after the Anbiya. What a rahmah. If you met the Prophet ﷺ as a Muslim, فَقَالَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ خَيْرُ النَّاسِ قَرْنِي ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلَانَهُ ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ فِي الْبُخَارِ وَمُسْلِمِ Rasulullah said the best of mankind is my generation and then those who follow him. Then the, Look at the rahmah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi that just because somebody met the Prophet sallallahu alayhi as a Muslim, they became the best of an-nas. I'm going to go over the time. The best of mankind. Who is the best of malaika? Jibreel alayhi salam in the hadith in al-Bukhari, 3,992. He asked Rasulullah what do you say about the Ahlul Badr, the people of Badr? The people that fought alongside Rasulullah in Badr. They are the best of the Muslims. He said the same is true for the Malaika that were there in Badr. They are the best of, look at the Rahmah. The people who met Rasulullah became the best of people with Iman. And the malaika that stood with Rasulullah became the best of malaika. Whoever follows this ummah, whoever is in this ummah is the best of ummah. You are the best of nations. Why? Because you are from the ummah of Rasulullah. So we hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us tawfiq to study the life of the best of mankind and to appreciate that life in the light of authentic narrations. Wa jazakumullahu khairan.